at the end of the day, I think that you can have the best product in the world. You can have the most knowledgeable teammates in the world. But if you don't have that mindset, it's going to be really difficult to succeed. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. And we are live. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. I always get geeked out when I get other athletes on the podcast. But um, before we jump into all of that, perhaps give us a little backstory of who you are, who Kate Weiler is. I started Drink Simple, which is a natural hydration company. Um, We tap maple trees to create this natural hydration from uh, maple trees, so to make a maple water. Um, I started the company about seven years ago, and uh, it was formed from, we were doing an Ironman triathlon in uh, Mont-Tremblant in Canada, and um, I was from New England area and absolutely loved how hydrating it made us feel uh, and how much gave us a natural boost and how it was very low in sugar and couldn't believe that no one else was doing it uh, at the time in the U.S. And absolutely just love the hydrating properties and the nutritional properties and the nutritional profile. Um, I had just gotten my master's of science in nutrition at the time. So I was um, even more impressed when there had been nutrition studies on the uh, benefits of maple water. And I launched into this. I did not think I was starting going to be starting a beverage company at all. I have a you know background uh, in information technology sales and came from a tech background. So this was a completely new venture and had really had no idea or hadn't anticipated of getting into uh, food and bev as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Before we continue with the interview, I have to ask. Are you a Patriots fan? Yeah. You're a Patriots fan. <laughs> I don't know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. Like New England versus the rest of the world. Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, so take me back. Were you, I know you mentioned that you weren't really anticipating starting a dev company, but were you the type of kid to be entrepreneurial or did you, do you think you kind of fell into that uh, entrepreneur kind of role? So I, I wasn't that entrepreneurial, to be honest. I think I see kids now, um, like my business partner's son, he's so entrepreneurial. He's always thinking of these crazy ideas and some are great ideas, but he's always spitballing different things of, and he's 14. And so when I look at him, it's like, I think that those type of people have that entrepreneurial, vision and tendencies since they've been young. I wasn't necessarily like that. I think I'm way more like that now. Um, and as I grew older, I became way more entrepreneurial. I'm, I'm even though we're hundred percent focused on drink simple and, and are very dedicated to that venture. We're always thinking of different things like, Oh, I would do that. I would do this. And so I think my mindset has changed more as I've grown older. Um, I definitely had always 
had a bit as I grew through up through high school and college, a bit of a sales tendency for sure. Um, I got involved in different types of, you know, fundraising and selling things to fundraise for the schools from, from the, that age. But it wasn't as if I was super creative and always getting into different ways to sell things like, you know, other than the classic lemonade stand when you're seven or eight. Right. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what would you say your, what would you say Kate's superpower is like, what's your unique skill? Cause I always talk to entrepreneurs on the podcast. I'm always curious to know what's, what kind of skills uh, they have that made them become so successful. So I'm curious, Kate, what's your superpower power skill? I was, I'm super dedicated and super passionate and some might say stubborn. <laughs> uh, so I think that especially as an entrepreneur, having that dedication and having being really passionate about something and having a stubborn mindset is really what makes entrepreneur is successful. So I don't think it's necessarily very unique. I'm not the only person that can do it for sure. But I think it's that quality that has lasted us as long as we have. I think that's what makes me successful as a triathlete and in Ironman. I think that the mindset just like in an Ironman or in a business is 100% so important. It's not just you know, it's not just a physical component. It's not just having a good idea. It's not just having a good product. It's really being able to grit through everything. And I think I have a very uh, strong skill of, of gritting through, <laughs> if that's even a word, of just really uh, plunging through anything that comes at me and continuing to get to that goal and not give up. Yeah, speaking of grits, um, I'm a former athlete myself. Uh, I used to play football, but um, I'm always fascinated when I get to uh, speak to other athletes. Uh, would you say your athlete background has helped you in your business adventure? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the things my mom actually asked me, this was years ago, but she had asked me like, oh, do you regret not going and getting your MBA? And I was in a, um, I was working for a company in tech sales uh, selling hardware and software, and they they pretty much would pay for your MBA. Um, I, yeah, they did. They paid for your MBA, but you you had to stay at the company for a certain amount of years. And so it was always on my radar when I had first started. And then uh, I left because I was not passionate about hardware and software. And that's when I got into nutrition. But she was like, "Do you regret not getting your MBA now that you're this entrepreneur? Or what's been the most successful thing that's helped you?" And I said, "No, I said the number one thing for me has been that learning how to have a strong mindset. And when in an Ironman, you're out there racing, you know, ten to hopefully not seventeen hours, but seventeen hours is the max. Uh, but that, but you know, you're you're racing all day long, and you have a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and there are some really really dark times, and you need to have a mindset to get through those dark times. And I think the same thing in business. You, and especially as an entrepreneur and a startup, you've got roller coaster rides, and you've got to figure out, you know, how do you get through those dark times and those dark moments. Um, 
And so through Ironman, I think I've developed a strong mindset and, and I definitely don't always feel strong and don't always feel like I can power through something and have had to do some more of that mindset work to get out of a rut to be able to plunge through. But um, I've at least exercised that mindset muscle that and learn how important that that mindset muscle is to be successful uh, in your career or in your venture. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about mindset at the end of the day, just to have yeah. resilience. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, what, what sort of challenges have you seen like throughout your career and how have you really, um, how's your resilience helped you through those uh, dark times, if you will? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, challenges are, I think starting any beverage company is super expensive. Um, I think that a lot of people don't know how expensive it really is. And so being able to consistently fund the business is always something, you know, most beverage companies fail within three years. And um, it's, it's really challenging. As a founder, you want to make sure that you're always... It's like anything, but you want to make sure you're hitting payroll. You want to make sure you're able to continue um, to grow the brand and grow the awareness. And so that's definitely, um, I think, a challenge for any entrepreneur. We've had challenges... I mean, I could write a book. I think all the challenges I have, um, we've got a couple that, you know, that are definitely uh, very book worthy uh, at one point that I am not at the point that I can share. But, um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's about just you get into as an entrepreneur can feel lonely sometimes that you're the only ones dealing with these challenges. Um, and talking to other entrepreneurs and, and being able to form that network is also super important because most of us have gone through the same thing. It just might look like a slightly different, but most of us have had uh, some of those challenges that we can help each other out with. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of book, actually, I, I, I read that you're a co-author of a book, actually. Um, yeah. A Real Fit Kitchen. Um, yeah. I always find it cool when um, entrepreneurs go into a business where they're passionate about, like, it seems like you're very passionate about nutrition, fitness. Um, so yeah. What, what, what's kind of the crux of the, of the book? Don't mind sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a sports nutrition cookbook. Um, we had started it before I had started the company. Actually, we got the book deal the day that we launched uh, drink simple. And so it was a little bit of a crazy whirlwind. Um, and and the book had been it's denied, I think, beforehand. I'm blanking on the timeline. And then we went back, we revamped the premise of the idea, and then it got uh, accepted. And then I had started Drink Simple. It was all very much a whirlwind. So there was a lot going on at the time. But my co-author was is Tara Mardigan, who is a former nutritionist for the Red Sox. So it was really about uh, sports nutrition. Their recipes are philosophy on uh, eating well. And it's for athletes, but not uh, for necessarily just elite athletes. It's really for anyone that's looking to eat better um, in a balanced way. It doesn't follow any fad diet or trend diet. It really brings in whole natural foods and different recipes. Um, we had different uh, collaborators that or gave us their recipes that we admire. And so it pulls from a lot of different areas and just her learnings of um, working with baseball players uh, and professional athletes who 
might not be eating the best? Like how, how do you make some small changes to live a healthier life? Absolutely. Um, one thing that you touched on that I'm curious about, uh, you mentioned it's really expensive to start a Bev company. Um, now, nowadays you're seeing more and more healthy, um, beverage drinks, um, coming to market. So I'm just curious, uh, from your perspective, Kate, um, how's the industry changed from when you first started, uh, to now? Mm. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a lot of, uh, beverage companies that, that come to market. There's, uh, a lot of people have a lot of great ideas and want to be able to bottle, um, what they think would do well. I think the biggest change, so we started in 2014, the biggest change has been the adoption of e-com for beverages. And when we started, people were obviously buying books. Amazon was a household name. It wasn't as if, you know, people weren't buying online, but over the past couple of years, we saw that people buying beverages online accelerated. And then with COVID, it's just completely accelerated the adoption of uh, ordering things online uh, or ordering beverages online, I should say. So in a short amount of time, the way we approach e-com from 2014 to 2020 has completely changed. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like COVID's really pushed more and more people that were offline to online now. Um, but speaking of COVID, uh, what sort of, um, I guess, challenges have you seen um, during the last six or seven months? Oh, um, so I, I think that I'll start by saying that we're very fortunate that we are considered an essential business. We didn't have to shut down. Uh, we could continue producing and continually to make our product, which was great. I think that, you know, we saw so many businesses that in restaurants and, and businesses that were considered non-essential that had to completely shut down and a lot have permanently closed the doors. Um, and a lot of businesses that didn't have an omni-channel approach that so they might've just been selling to a channel that had to shut down. So I was really grateful to be able to continue to operate and also be able to have this omni-channel distribution strategy so that, you know, a couple channels were <laughs> non-existent. They went to zero. Um, and then, and then things like e-com really, really grew. So, you know, the, the biggest challenges, um, really was in regards to retail was, and still is challenging. I mean, getting product to the shelf was really tough. And, what we saw is that the legacy brands and the big food brands, they were getting priority and they were seeing a surge, whereas the emerging brands were, it was really hard to get to the shelf because distributors had a certain amount of, or retailers could only order a certain amount of products. So they could only order 500 cases, um, even though they had orders of 2000 cases of different things for their store. So, um, that was a challenge that we couldn't get to the store and then everything slowed down. I mean, our sales, um, people that went into the store, temperature checks, standing in line to so the, so you're paying the same amount, but then the productivity just really plummeted because they could only visit a certain amount of stores. So there was a lot of challenges in that. Again, I was, as we were going through it, I was like, these are very small challenges um, compared to what a lot of people are going through. Uh, I think as a leader, it was, 
it was when it first hit, it was a challenge. How do you approach this? Do you continue to go into stores? Some people were like, nope, we're stopping working. And as an emerging brand and as people that are really trying to service our uh, consumers and want to make sure that our products on the shelves, because we do enhance their lives and we do offer a healthful solution. We had to make sure that we were protecting our employees, but then also make sure that we're protecting our consumers to make sure they could get our products. So as a leader is a little bit of a balancing act in that different entrepreneurs were approaching it and had different stances on things. So figuring out what fit best for us and our brand um, and making sure that you know, you're always going to second guess yourself. So just making sure that um, that felt right and safe uh, was really important. And I think that that changed as we learned more about COVID and how the situation changed uh, over time. And it's now it's looking at it like, oh my gosh, what's going to come come winter similar to what we were talking about? How is this all going to change and how um, are we going to adapt Absolutely. Do you find yourself more um, working from home these days? Or are you are you guys still uh, at the office? Yeah. So we're working. We're working from home, but we do have um, production facilities. So I um, am not physically in that location. Um, and so the people that run our production facility have been since day one. They've never been working from home. They've been in the facility um, through and through, putting in safety precautions. And we're a very small team, so um, it was very much you know not uh, a disruption, but. Um, the I think, you know, what we've found too, I think, is that I used to be on an airplane all the time, used to be traveling with all that canceled, the adoption of Zoom and, and video conferencing. We've always had that technology. We've had a Zoom account forever, but I don't even remember the last time I really used it. <laughs> and then COVID hit and I was like, oh, everything's Zoom. And it's amazing how much money has been saved on travel and airlines. And I love meeting people in person. I love having that in-person experience, but at the same time, I think a lot of money can be saved and a lot of time can be saved as well with the things that can be done virtually. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm in the same boat as you, Kate. I like to be face to face and actually meet uh, clients or um, contacts, but it's interesting. I, I wonder, I guess for you personally, do you think it'll continue with kind of how things are operating now post COVID or uh, will you go back to kind of <laughs> the travel? Yeah, no, I, I personally think so. I think, I think, that I, no, I, I mean, I think that things, I don't think it's going to stay like as it is, but I do think the adoption of zoom and having a zoom meeting is going to be way more, um, I guess on the forefront of somebody's mind rather than say, okay, let's meet in person and then have them to book a flight and, and go somewhere. I think that there definitely will be things that are, we're going to go back to normal and be in person with certain types of meetings. But there were a lot of things that a lot of meetings that probably didn't need to be in person just because it was always the way that we've done it. Um, so I hope we, I mean, personally, I hope we get back to that happy medium where we can be in person where we need to be, but then, you know, we don't need to be in person for every little thing. Cause I think my, <laughs> my, I, I don't mind. I, like I said, I love seeing people, but I also, 
the silver lining has been slowing down, not having to be in an airport every day. Yeah, for <laughs> uh, sure. I think for me personally, I think gone are the days for me at least, the six hour traveling for the one hour meeting. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you, you lose, I mean, what I've learned is like I can be so much more productive because I would lose days at a time. Of course, you can work in the airport and you can do triage, but when you're running around traveling, and then also, I mean, as somebody who's you know passionate about health and wellness, the amount that that travel has on your body and on your fatigue as well, you just are in this constant fatigue if you're traveling that much and it's really hard to dig yourself out of it. And if you're not doing that and you can do something via Zoom and you know, save money and, and get some <laughs> extra sleep and rest, I think it's it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Win-win. Um, yeah, I just want to quickly switch gears. Um, we have a lot of entrepreneurs or even aspiring entrepreneurs listening, but um, when you first launched your brand, you mentioned again that it's really expensive to start a Bev company, but what sort of things uh, did you, um, I guess my, my question is what's, what's been the most successful, I guess, marketing campaign or even um, initiative that you've done to really get your name out there and um, yeah, be at the forefront. Yeah. The most successful marketing campaign, I think uh, again, we're a small company, so we don't necessarily have um, like big out of home billboard type campaigns. Um, it's definitely been way more grassroots bootstrap. How do you get this in the hands of people? And I think that's one of the hardest things with COVID is that one of our most successful things is getting people to try the product, whether that be in a grocery store or at a running race or an event or uh, like a craft beer festival where people want to try different things. So um, when you, with our products, so it's maple water, we have the name maple and there comes with certain expectations that it's going to be super sweet or it's going to have the flavor of maple. And so when we get people to try it and they realize it's super refreshing, it's really naturally low in sugar. It's less sugar than coconut water, but it tastes so much better and it really hydrates them. Then we get loyal consumers. Our, our returning customer rate is insanely high. Um, on, you know, on e-com. And so that's our, that's our best way to get people to learn about the brand, learn about the benefits, um, why it's going to make them feel more hydrated and enable them to be more productive during the day, whether it be a workout or, or working. And without that, and without COVID, I think we've learned how, uh, I knew that that was you know, a really important part of our business, but with that all taken away, uh, it's, it's definitely been challenging for sure. And we've had to get creative of different ways that people can discover our product. Absolutely. Now it's funny that you say, um, people think maple water is sweet or it tastes like maple syrup, but, um, I'm, I'm here in Canada and we have maple syrup everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what sort of things does drink simple do um, that maybe some of the listeners or even consumers don't know about? I think that, I mean, the product obviously from a um, taste profile, it delivers on a different taste profile. It delivers on a different functional benefit um, in the sense that it's not a super sugar water drink. Sometimes you get people think it's sugar water. Uh, it really delivers in a lot of different ways. Um, we have research saying that it boosts athletic aerobic performance to help increase your VO2 max. We have research saying it decreases oxidative stress, so really good for recovery. 
we researched that wasn't statistically significant, but it did show that people's overall mental health and wellness, that people felt happier. And we heard that a lot in consumer research that we did too. It just has, you know, feel better, which is really cool. Um, I think one of the biggest things that, um, aside from that, and that's really what, you know, I love, once you dig in, you do figure out those benefits. But I think the thing that we need to do a better job of, doing um, of telling the story is our sustainability story. And a lot of companies have a sustainability story in, in their packaging or what they're using. And, um, you know, we are continually doing more sustainable packaging and six ring, six pack rings. We just started using um, compostable that are friendly to sea life and will compost in seven days or compost in one day if you compost it and I think that the thing that really, when you peel back the onion, is that tap the tapping process of maple water is actually extremely sustainable. It's a very low carbon footprint. It encourages responsible forestry and encourages an economic incentive uh, for maple trees to stay standing and for trees to stay living rather than chopping it down for timber or furniture or real estate and in developing um, a condo complex. Because when you're tapping the trees, they're working and the water um, is coming out, whether, you know, you're bottling it as our brand or, um, or creating a product with it, it really does uh, promote trees to stand. And that's what a lot of people really have no idea about. They just, um, see the product for, I think, what it is, which is great too. I mean, we want people to love the product, but um, behind, you know, you peel back the onion, there is an additional sustainability component that's very cool about what we're doing. Oh, I love that. I love the sustainability piece. I think that's super important uh, nowadays, at least. But um, one question I did want to ask you, Kate, uh, as a question I love to ask all my guests, but um, what's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I, um, it's a, that's a, that's a tough one because I do think people ask a lot of the questions. I, I do think that one of the things, not necessarily on a podcast, because I, I don't really want to be, um, talking about it, but one of the things that's coming to light a little bit more that I think people need to check in with entrepreneurs is just around the mental health standpoint. I think that this is a really grinding, um, tough endeavor. And I think the media really glorifies entrepreneurism, which is awesome and startups and the wins and things like that. And, um, what you don't see and what you typically don't see are people that aren't, you know, that might not be as successful or the lows. I mean, you hear about the challenges when people end up selling their, their business for, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and by that point, it's kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, the lows weren't that bad because this is a big win. But I think that um, in the industry, and I think as as an entrepreneur, I've, I've been trying to do a better job of checking in with my fellow entrepreneurs of like, how are, like, really, how are you doing? Not how are you doing? Oh, great. You know, that's, oh, everything's awesome. We're crushing it. I also feel like some, you know, it's, you've got to put it, oh, we're crushing it. This is good. This is good. This is good. Because that's what you, you need, you need to, right. For the health of your business, you need to be saying everything's amazing. Um, 
but the reality is not everything's amazing. It's never amazing for anyone. Even if you are doing really, if your things are great, you still have things that aren't so great. Um, and so I think, you know, doing a better job and I've been trying to do a better job of with my trusted entrepreneur, um, fellow entrepreneurs of how are, you know, what that question is like, truly, how are you doing? How is your mental health? Um, what are you doing for self-care? What are you doing to take care of yourself? I think there's another glorification of being busy and hustling and lack of sleep. And it's, um, it's what's portrayed as, you know, somebody that prides himself on being a hard worker and someone dedicated. And what I've learned too, is that that self-care is so important to be successful. And I, I definitely underestimated that when I started this business and I underestimated that before I started the business as well. So no, I love that Kate. I think mental health is wealth and um, that's it's so true that the media glorifies entrepreneurship. You always see the popping bottles and private jets, but as you know, it's a roller coaster ride. There's some low lows and obviously some high highs. But um, what would you say the I guess biggest myth or misconception about entrepreneurship is uh, from your perspective? Oh, the biggest myth. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the biggest myth is that it's this. Free, carefree, not a lot of work, uh, making hundreds of millions in just a couple years. And even people, I think that, um, and I've talked to some other entrepreneurs and I go, oh, well, this person sold in two years for X amount. And that's it's like there, and there definitely are those people, but that's <laughs> 0.0001% that, um, and I think that that, like you said, popping bottles of champagne on private jets, that's not what's happening. Um, even people, you know, oh, you're an entrepreneur, you you can go and do this. You have, the, you know, you're your own boss, you can go and do this. But no, you, you can't. You, there's definitely some uh, flexibility for sure, but and you can do what you need to do. It's not like you need to be uh, at a desk at all times of the day, but you even have more weight on your shoulders to make sure that your company is successful. So uh, I think that this idea that, you know, entrepreneurs are just partying and don't need to work hard and then make millions with not a lot of work is definitely false. Um, <laughs> and so that, that hard work and that it's a roller coaster ride is something that could definitely be more uh, shared, I guess, with the public. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The one piece that really stuck out was, well, you got time. You could always do that, but I yeah. feel like I'm actually more busy <laughs> now with my own business than I was uh, when I had a uh, quote unquote desk job. But um, no, that's, that's really interesting. I also see you drinking some uh, drink uh, simple. Oh yes, I do <laughs> well, my <start>. <laughs> What's uh, for our listeners, if they want to uh, buy some for themselves, what's uh, I guess, I know all of them are your babies, but what, what would you say is the yeah. most, your most favorite one? Uh, oh, that's so tough. <laughs> Oh, there. Yes, they are. They everyone asks that, and I'm like, they are all my babies. Um, it's you know, it's it's interesting because it's different use occasions. So our original maple water—that's the one ingredient from the tree that is for sure 
I love that product. I think that that's what that's, I drink a bottle, a room temperature bottle every morning when I get up before my coffee, before everything to really give myself that boost. And it's, that's where I'm feeling like the magic of the product is like this, you know, tree elixir that you really feel good. And then after a run too, I think there's nothing better than maple water after a run. It's amazing. Um, I do, when we, we launched a sparkling last year and I love that we now have a carbonated product because I do love bubbles like most people. And so I do find myself when I'm working during the day, I'll definitely be sipping on our sparkling product. Um, our blackberry lemon that I'm drinking is our number one skew on the sparkling side of things. So, um, and on the still, our 32 ounce, our big multi-serve is the number one skew on the um, still product. But uh, I, I feel that I'm, depending on what I'm doing, gravitates me more towards a certain one of my favorite babies, even though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a bit of a trickier question, but no, that's, that's awesome. Um, I only have a few more questions here for you, Kate. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think um, you've had a lot of great insight on entrepreneurship. Um, like I mentioned, there's lots of entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneurs listening. If you've had to boil down maybe one key piece of advice that's really helped you along your way in your journey, uh, what, what would you say to the people listening? So I hate to be cliche again, because we already talked about mindset, but mindset, definitely. How do you, how do you strengthen that mindset? How do you develop a strong mindset? How do you, and, and this is through reading, through listening to different podcasts. Uh, Jesse Itzler does a really good job of talking about mindset. And even just if you it's like, I can't read, I can't listen to podcasts, you know, there's too many to listen to. This one's my favorite and I'm only dedicating myself to this one. Um, even just following on Instagram and things like that. Uh, there are different mantra, mantras that you can say over and over to yourself or different ways that you can dig yourself out of self-doubt and boost your self-esteem, boost your confidence, um, boost your resiliency. Because at the end of the day, I think that's the not, you can have the best product in the world. You can have the most knowledgeable teammates in the world. But if you don't have that mindset, it's going to be really difficult to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mindset's everything at the end of the day. Um, it's funny though, you mentioned, uh, different resources that, uh, podcasts reading, but, uh, for you personally, Kate, what's been, um, something or the resources really helped you along your path. Yeah. So from a resource that I mentioned, Jesse Itzler, I really liked listening to him. Um, cause I also think he does a good, um, build your life resume, which is a good holistic approach to it, uh, to making sure you're working hard, you're building a strong mindset, but also that you have balance in your life with your family and your other endeavors and that you're building a fulfilling life. And I think that that's really important as an entrepreneur because you can get so caught up in, in, or even just working a nine to five, you can get so caught up in the routine. And then you look back and like, what did I do this past year? I just worked. And I think that doing different things and 
setting goals, accomplishing those goals within work, within your family, um, and then within your, you know, your physical health, whether it's running or what it might be as an athlete. And then in your hobbies is super important to build that fulfilling life. Um, and then my other resource I really like that's not necessarily along these lines, but, um, I listen to and follow Erica Nardini from who's actually the CEO of Barstool Sports. And I am not a, I I don't, I know Barstool follow Dave Portnoy a bit, but I don't really follow Barstool at all. And I really like her as I think as CEO, a woman CEO in what's traditionally been a company targeted at men is been, is very interesting for me. And I think that sometimes when I get um, feeling not that not that she's it's not self-help for like women CEOs by any stretch of the imagination. There are a lot of men listen to her too, but I don't know. I really, really enjoy listening to what she has to say, her advice and her just perspective on what's going on in the world. I'm always very intrigued. So sure she I follow her as token CEO, which is um kind of a spin on people saying that she wasn't qualified to be a CEO because she didn't have a business degree and and now she's like kicking ass. So uh, <laughs> yeah, those are, so those are my two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. Um, yeah. As an entrepreneur, it's like one of the things you just mentioned was um, having that holistic uh, approach to life, work-life balance, uh, sports, business, family. Um, and that's definitely hard for me personally, at least, um, at least because my business is something I'm really passionate about. It wants, I want to do it every, every moment of the day, but, um, for you, Kate, what's, how, how have you been able to manage that work-life balance uh, with business, sports and family? Yeah. So I learned the hard way, I think. Um, and everyone says like, there's no work-life balance. It's, it all bleeds into one, especially if you have your own business. And I do, I do agree with that. Uh, and even I just, you know, snuck out for a run and it gave me some time away and mental clarity. And I came up with some of these ideas. So even when I'm running, like I'm just thinking about work. So it's not as if, but sometimes I need to go out and run with my friends and completely turn my mind off. And if they start asking about work, I just I'm like, let's talk about something else. Um, <laughs> Cause I need that break. But I think I learned my lesson the hard way. When we first started the company, I, we were just, it's just so many mistakes, but, um, we were working so much. We really weren't sleeping a lot. I wasn't working out. Um, I wasn't running. I wasn't doing what I loved and what I did needed for that mental health and for that balance. And, um, I would just, I would cry and break down. It was, it was like, it was awful. It was so bad. I would get so stressed out. Would, and um, I realized I wasn't being productive. I said, I can sit here and be just a mess and tired over the stress um, of the business, but I can't operate like this for years. I might, I should have just gone for a 20 minute run because then I would have been more productive. And so I learned that over time. And I was actually talking to another entrepreneur last week about that because he struggled with that as well. And he was, um, he's an Ironman triathlete as well. And so you go from having it be such an important part of your life. And then you start this company and this is all you're doing. And he's like, how do you balance that? And he finally realized as well that he can be more productive. And if you take that time 
to work out. And I think that's one of the reasons too, I still train for Ironman races because I have a training schedule and I have friends that can just say, Oh, I'm going to go for a run now, but I wouldn't, I would just work all the time. So I need this spreadsheet to say, okay, today you need to go for this amount of time. Um, so it keeps me accountable in that regard. And so, and then, um, it took me a couple more years, I think, to really realize that, you know, this is, um, it's to be cliche, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that you, you also, you need to be living your life. You need to be spending time with your family as well, because, you know, you're going to look, if you're going to look back and say, I didn't spend time with my family at the end of the day, that's super important as well. And I don't think it really didn't take me or it did, it took me a couple more years to realize that, um, lesson as well. And same thing with other entrepreneurs that I've learned. It's, you put everything in the first couple of years and then they decide, you know what, like we need to live our lives. We actually need to take a break. Um, we can't put children on hold. You know, I know a couple of entrepreneurs that we're like, okay, we'll sell the business and then have kids. And then, um, I know a couple that had kids this year and they were just like, we needed to, we needed to have a life. And so it does take some time. I think it's hard to see that at first, but you definitely grow wiser (laughs) as as you're more into this thing. (laughs) No, I love that. I love, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, especially for you because you're running marathons in business and, (laughs) and everyday life. That's awesome. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online, Kate? So you can find the company drinksimple.com, really easy. Instagram, drinksimple. Um, you can find me personally at KK Weiler. So K-K-W-E-I-L-E-R. That's where I am on Instagram. Uh, Kate Weiler on LinkedIn. Twitter, KK Weiler. Uh, my typical handle, but yeah, send me a note or connect. I love connecting with people and hearing what they're up to or if, you know, how I can help in any way. I do a lot of uh, teaching or guest speaking uh, to business schools. And that's, I think my favorite part is connecting with the students and connecting with people afterwards and, and being a help in any way that I can. That's awesome. I'll make sure to put the, all the descriptions in the link to the interview. Um, yeah, my last couple of questions. Uh, what is something Kate is proud of that maybe we haven't touched on in the interview? Oh, what am I proud of? Um, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that with, when you start the company, there's all these, you know, you've got all these goals and you have, I'm going to grow and this is what we're going to take the business to this level. But at the end of the day, when I get emails from people of how that we've changed their lives, it's, I'm so just humbled and proud and happy that something that I've done has made such an impact on people's lives. And you get emails saying, you've literally changed my life. This is life-changing. I've never been able to stay hydrated before because I don't like water or this is, I, this is exactly what I'm looking for because I don't want over-sugary drinks. Um, that really makes it all worthwhile. It makes the sleepless nights worthwhile. It makes all the work work worthwhile because you truly see that, you know, you're making an impact, um, in people's lives. Absolutely. And I admire your guys' work and your work, Kate, and I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. This was so fun.
Yeah. So how I usually like to end the podcast is I like to ask the guest. Well, it's a marketing and branding podcast. So I like to ask the guest what word or phrase they use to describe their brand. So my last question to you, Kate, is what's one word or phrase to describe Kate Weiler's brand? My personal brand? Yes. <laughs> Dedicated. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.